Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Buccinelli. The following is an interview with David Evans and Caleb Kerr. David graduated from Westfield in 2012 and Purdue in 2016. During the podcast, we talk about his journey from running 27 minutes for 5K, his freshman year of high school, to recently breaking 15 minutes, his experience walking on to Purdue, and then making the transition to coaching. Caleb graduated from Evansville North in 2012 and Purdue in 2016. During the podcast, we talk his early running journey, his injury battles, and how he's been able to become one of the best American marathoners. I've known David for about two years, and I've known of Caleb for a while through David, but it was awesome to get to sit down and chat with both of them. It's easy to see why these guys have been able to continue to improve year over year, even after college. They have a unique commitment and passion for their craft, even in the face of injuries and other life responsibilities. To end the podcast, we talk about the club team that they run and what life is like in the sub-elite scene as working professionals. As always, I hope you all enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Without further ado, I give you David Evans and Caleb Kerr. Caleb, David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Thanks happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> no problem. Um, so David, we go back a little bit. I think we've known each other for what about two years now? Yeah, a little less than two years. Yeah. So you and we'll get into this later, but you uh coached me for I think about two seasons or so. Like I mentioned before, the podcast completely ruined my running career. That was a great experience. And we'll, like I said, we'll get into that. And Caleb, we just met. I'm excited to kind of get to know you a little more through the, through the podcast. Um, Yeah, man, we'll be best friends by the end of this. Oh yeah, for sure. Best man at my wedding. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So before we jump in, I guess, how was, how was Christmas? How was New Year's? How's life? You go first, Caleb. Well, it was kind of lame because I had to hang out with David. Um, <laughs> we might get into this here in a little bit, but David and I are actually family now. Um, so we, uh, we spent some time together, uh, some time in Michigan. I, I'm from down in Evansville. So a little bit of time there. Yeah, uh, go, it was good. Go, go ahead and explain our relationship. You never butcher this. <laughs> <laughs> so David, uh, David married my wife's sister. There you go. Nice. Is that right? Is that it, David? Yes, yes. Our okay. our wives are our sisters. And yes. uh so yeah, I also spent time with Caleb over Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Um, so it was horrible. <laughs> so what, what do you normally say, Caleb? How do you butcher it? Uh I, I don't even know what I normally say. I, I every time I say something wrong, I'm always like, <laughs> our wives are are like I'm like uh my sister is his wife but i don't even have a sister <laughs> <laughs> the best the best the best one he ever did was we we're on a run and he was frantically trying to remember how to explain our relationship and he mm-hmm. he said uh word for word uh david is married to his sister <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's my favorite it's also not true um for the <laughs> that's good to hear I'm glad you cleared that up. Okay, so we start every episode with a little tear talk. 
Definitely did not steal that from another podcast. Um, this week we're gonna do best dipping sauces. So do you guys want me to go first? You can. So, but... so okay, can you explain the tiers, or is it like, like S tier, A tier? So it's it's work? just one, two, three. If you want to cheat, you can add an honorable mention, but we'll go like bottom to top. So honorable mention or three and then up. Okay. So. Okay. I'll, I'll start. You guys can think about it. So my number three is buffalo sauce. It's my go-to if I'm feeling a little spicy, you know, if I want something with a little heat, add a little buffalo sauce, especially dipping uh, like chicken tenders or something like that in there. Real good. Number two is garlic aioli. Uh, mostly for like dipping, dipping uh fries or maybe I'll add it to a burger or something. Uh, three one seven burger in Briarpool has great garlic aioli. In case you're wondering, and then number one is just classic barbecue. Uh, nowhere really in particular. Just I feel like barbecue is always a safe bet anywhere you go. Uh, a sleeper barbecue which they don't have anymore was Subway. Super random, but they had like this like super tangy, good barbecue sauce that would add to my sub sometimes, but apparently it wasn't good enough. I don't believe enough. you. I don't believe you. <laughs> I know. Isn't that so weird? But so there's my three, buffalo, garlic, aioli, and then barbecue for the king. Um, you, Josh, by the way, you should just, either we can assume Caleb goes first and I go second each time, mm-hmm. or you got to prompt us because um, yeah. we we tend to talk over each other, so that this is a, a recipe for disaster. So, Caleb, you go. <laughs> all right, Caleb, you can go first every time. Okay, okay. Um, all right, number three for me is probably like a stone ground mustard, mm. like with the with the kind of mustard seeds in it. You know what I'm talking about? It's a little spicy. Um, you'll notice a theme here. My number two is also probably honey mustard. Mm. That's always what I get from Chick Fil A. Not Chick Fil A sauce. Honey mustard. <laughs> um, and then I like really all kinds of barbecue sauce, but I like a mustard-based barbecue sauce. That's mm. probably my number one. It's I think it's like Carolina style or something. Okay. The, who has that? The top. I don't know who has it. I just know that I yeah. when I've been to barbecue joints, like that's kind okay. of their their layout. Okay. It's a solid list. So I, when I first, you know, read the prompt for this question, I didn't know if we were talking like, you know, chicken wing dipping or whatever. Mm. Um, so I went a little bit more elaborate with mine. Uh, number three would be a tahini ranch. It's just like a healthier version of ranch. And um, my, my wife makes a lot of time when we do like uh, cauliflower wings. Number two would be um, hummus. And that's just more for you know, dipping vegetables, uh, pita bread. And number one would be chocolate because you can make <laughs> a dipping sauce. You, I'll dip, I'll dip anything in chocolate. There we go. Any kind of chocolate in particular? Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> melted, warm, delicious chocolate. <laughs> stuff, stuff that makes food taste good. Are you like a only dark kind of guy or would you do white? Oh, or I see what you mean. Um, yeah, I mean, dark chocolate is usually my go-to, but mm-hmm. Chocolate, chocolate, it's it's good. I I got a bad sweet tooth. Same. I'm like I've been craving like Sour Patch Kids recently. <laughs> it's so random. No one likes. I feel like sour candy is very polarizing. 
Most people right. either love it or hate it. You're right, because I hate it. <laughs> there you go. Really? I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I mean, you've always... Learned, been... We learned something. Well, you just don't pay attention, because I know that you like fruit candy, like gummies and Sour Patch and stuff like that. I've always been... I stick to chocolate. Mm-hmm. Chocolate and peanut butter. Mm-hmm. There we go. Only five minutes in, we're already learning something new. All right, so we're going to jump into your guys' background in the sport, kind of move from pre-high school, high school, to college, and then I guess the other part of the time, however much time we have left, I want to talk about your guys' experience as sub-elite but kind of elite runners and then also working man's track club. Um, so we'll we'll jump into backgrounds. Caleb, if you want to start, how did you get your start in running? Um we can, so yeah, start at the beginning, move into college. You can talk about your training, your experience in college or in high school. Sorry, um, we'll keep it at high school and then we'll move to college after David shares. Okay, um, so I got into running. Um, <clears throat> my parents took me to like this. Uh, it was like a vacation Bible school, which is is just a it's a funny name for a free childcare at your church for a week. Uh, and, and the theme of this, uh, the theme of this vacation Bible school was a, uh, track event. So, um, you'd have your little like activities and things. They'd kind of be nominally focused around, um, some track event hurdles or throwing javelin or shot put or long jump, something like that. And so, uh, at the end, the last Saturday, there was a real track meet with, you know, ribbons and races and all the different events. And you signed up, everyone wore their little uh, colored shirts. And uh, I really enjoyed that. I loved race. I love, you know, all kinds of competitive sports, but I wanted to win myself. Um, and I got into the distance events because those were the ones that I could win. I was never the fastest kid, but I was usually the one that would not stop and walk. Yeah. Uh, had the attention span to not give up first. So, you know, a distance event then was like two laps, right? So it was 800 meters, but um, that was kind of my start. And uh, I've been hooked, you know, not necessarily continuously ever since, but um, track's always been a part of my life since then. So was it completely random that was a track themed VBS? Uh, I don't know that it was completely random. So they've, they've done this. This was in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, and it's become a big thing. It was the first year, I think, when I did it. It's a, it's called the Runners Camp, um, mm-hmm. and they've done it for twenty years now. But um, that, you know, I guess it was quite, sort of random the first time. Yeah. But a lot of kids enjoyed it. I think that parents loved that their kids would go and be active outside all day and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's been really popular and kind of spread around since then. So, so was it track from this, or I guess running from the start, or did you play other sports growing up as well? Or? I played anything that you'd put me in. Um, mm-hmm. The only thing I really didn't play was baseball, but I, you know I played basketball and soccer, and um, I never played organized football, but I was always playing pickup football mm-hmm. in the yard. Um, I played lacrosse. Uh, you know, tried, tried just about everything. Running was definitely what I was best at, but, uh, I enjoyed 
any sport that I could try. Yeah. Did you like love it from the start? Like, we're like, this is a sport for me or is it kind of just, you had some talent for it, had some, yeah. Well, it, you know, it didn't, I didn't take off in running early on actually. So um, when I was in middle school, I was, you know, I joined the cross country team, um, joined the track team, but I was not good. I was, I couldn't break seven minutes for the mile. Um, I would get beat by a lot of the girls in cross country on our team. Um, I didn't even make, you know, whatever counted as varsity then like top 10 or something. Um, I was, I was getting pity clapped in track races too. Yeah. I would be, I would, there'd be 10 kids out there and I would be last wow. in eighth grade. So, uh, it was not a quick start. Um, but you know, I was kind of a late, a late bloomer kid. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew five or six inches in my first year of high school, stayed about the same weight. Um, my body changed a lot and all of a sudden I was fast. (laughs) So, um, it was good though, because I was really excited about it. Then it wasn't sort of a, I've always had this, I've always been the best athlete, um, from being a little kid, like some, some people have. Yeah. So why'd you stick with it? Having maybe a rougher experience in eighth grade? (laughs) Well, I mean, I didn't, I actually, I quit in eighth grade for about a week. Um, just the last week of the season, I was so embarrassed after getting last in one of these races. I said, I don't want to, I don't want to come back out and do this again. So I quit. Uh, but I came back in high school cause I still enjoyed cross country mm. and, um, went to the first practice over the summer and just picked a group to start running with. And when I got back, uh, it turns out that had been like the top group guys. And you know, high school, high school, first practices is like, everyone just runs as hard as they can because they're dumb. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was able to keep up with the seniors mm. and really, I didn't even know that I was doing, I, I didn't know who they were. I didn't know that was the, the top group of guys mm-hmm. until I got back and the coach didn't know coach thought I was a different kid. Cause there was another kid coming up from eighth grade that was pretty fast before. So he was calling mm. me Mitch. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, then I'm really encouraged obviously. And, uh, track kind of, or cross country took off from there for me. So, in like one summer you went from getting last in track races to being able to keep up with like the varsity guys. Uh, yeah. Now in Evansville at the time, you know, the varsity guys on my team, like the top, top guys on my team were running 18 minute five Ks. Mm-hmm. They weren't, you know, like the Indiana or Indianapolis area schools where, you know, your top varsity runners are running more like 16 flat, mm-hmm. um, all the time. Uh, so not quite as major of a jump as maybe is in your head, mm-hmm. but yeah, it went from running my 800 pace was, you know, two thirty, forty, three minutes, maybe <laughs> to, <laughs> I could keep that for a 5k. Mm. So, um, a big jump and really all because of growing, not because of training. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what was your high school experience? Like, like, what do you remember from training or maybe some key moments along the way? Um, so I didn't train that hard. I didn't really know any better. I didn't train that hard as a freshman or a sophomore. Um, I ran like 17 minutes as a freshman in a 5k, some like 11 minutes in the two mile. 
I'm not didn't really get that much faster as a sophomore. Um, but I remember it was kind of around the time that Indiana runner started to become a thing mm. and like the message boards on let's run and die stat mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And, and I started to realize that there were, you could learn a lot about training and running from what other people were doing. Mm. Um, and so one of my teammates was doing the same stuff and he said, he started to learn and try out some new training things, train, you know, doubling and um, doing some more focused track workouts. And one day when we were out running together, he goes, Caleb, you're wasting your talent. Um, <laughs> and that made me so mad. But uh, why did he say that? Because uh, I hadn't run over the winter. <laughs> um, and I got real mad. So I dropped him. But he was right. <laughs> And, um, I, I started taking more seriously, um, started to train hard, saw a pretty big jump as a junior, um, went from an, in the high 16 minutes to like 1530 for 5k, 920 for two miles. Um, and then continued that momentum as a senior. Um, so that was where I really started to, to figure out what training and racing was like long-term and really embracing working hard um, making it more my own thing, um, Mm. than, than just doing whatever my coach told me to do at practice and nothing more, you know? Um, So so did your coach like give you the freedom to like try different stuff out? Like you mentioned, or yeah, he was kind of, he was kind of learning along with me actually. Mm. So neither of us really knew what we were doing in (laughs) 2010. Um, but he got a the Jack Daniels running formula book and we just started mm-hmm. pulling workouts out of that. And, you know, I'm looking up some stuff on the internet. He's doing the same thing and, <clears throat> you know, running more miles, doing more focused um, tempos and fart licks and hills. And um, we're doing workouts after meets and uh, we're both just learning that together. Mm. Uh, and so that was really fun. And he, he basically just told me like, you've got free reign to do whatever, just don't hurt yourself. <laughs> um, and do what I tell you at practice and try to be a good example, but we're not going to, if you think this might be a good idea, let's try it. Yeah. It's interesting to think about a, like a pre Strava, pre social media world. Like mm-hmm. right now you can go like almost every high schooler has Strava or most do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can go and see what they're doing, what their workouts are and, uh, and even on, I don't know, social media and the message boards are still a thing. Like it's just, there's so much access now and it's crazy to think there was only 10 to 15 years ago that like that didn't exist. And people mm-hmm. were kind of just trying to figure things out for themselves. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, did mm-hmm. you, was there a point where you like really fell in love with running? Like, okay, this is something I like really want to do really enjoy. Um, it, it kind of happened over time. Um, I can't say that there was a specific day where I was like, man, I, I love this sport. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> but you know, get, having the, having the rewards of your labor pay off in which, which really happens in running for most people, mm-hmm. not everyone gets the same level of success, but you're going to get better if you mm-hmm. work hard, um, compared to where you were. So, uh, I really enjoyed that part of it. And that's still what keeps me interested. Hmm. Um, now, you know, having a fair amount of success along the way, obviously helps support that, but, uh, 
you know, it kind of happened over a continuum more than just one, one single event. Yeah. I think that really is like the beauty of running opposed to, I don't know, there's elements of that in other sports, but it really is like, if you put in the work, you will get better. It may not, you may not be breaking two hours in the marathon, but mm -hmm. you will get better. So I think, I don't know, there's just something like simple beauty about that aspect of running. Um, yeah. Cool. Is there any like other, any, I guess any other moments about high school that you, you want to touch on or you come to mind when you think about that time? <laughs> I mean, I could tell stories all day, but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, there were a couple memories that really stick out to me. Um, the, my senior year, <clears throat> I had won every race I ran in cross country with the exception of the Trinity Invitational in Louisville. I lost to Jacob Thompson and then, um, actually that was the only one we went to the state meet and I really thought I'm the second best athlete in, I, you know, Footsum was the same grade as me mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I knew I wasn't as good as Footsum, uh, <laughs> but there wasn't anyone else that I was scared of. And yet, um, just wasn't my day. You know, I had a similar thing happen to like what happened to Zach Panning a couple mm -hmm. of years later where stumbling down the home stretch. So I was never all state wow. in cross country. Um, as a junior or a senior. And uh, so I was so disappointed um, and felt like all, you know, all the work had been for nothing. And, you know, I had a, I ended up being all state in track, but I look back on that now as it's so much less of a big deal <laughs> to me than it was then. Um, and, you know, I, of course, wish that it would have turned out differently, but um, you you learn a lot about yourself after you come back from being really disappointed when you work really hard for something. Mm. And that probably was more meaningful of a life experience mm. for me than it would have been had I gone and been state runner up and just been real arrogant. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, had all the success that I was dreaming for at the time. Yeah. How long did it take to get that perspective? Um, oh, years, um, <laughs> years. I mean, it's, you, you work really hard for it and it's real emotional at the time, mm -hmm. but eventually that fades and you realize like, it's just another moment in your life that, mm. you know, no one, no one died. No one, you know, I'm 29 now. No one cares. <laughs> uh, I cared a lot then, but no one really cares what you did when you were 17. Mm. Um, so, uh, it means something to me, but, um, it's, it, hopefully it's changed for the better and it, it guided me in a different path than, uh, than maybe what it would have been Yeah. otherwise. So how does that perspective like influence how you approach races now? Like if it... well, we'll probably, we'll probably talk about how that got reinforced in college Okay. Um, <laughs> here in a minute, but, uh. You know, I, I think you focus a little less on the result um, and more on the just doing doing the work, um, enjoying the fact that you get to to still participate in the sport. Mm. Uh, and at the end of the day, it's being it's it's being able to look back at yourself and say, okay, did you do the best that you could? And can you be happy with that, even if you're disappointed mm. in the end result? And yeah. if you can say that you did the best that you could, and there's not something that you go back and change, you may know something different now. Um, 
but would, given the information that you had then, would you go back and change it? Probably not. Mm. Then there's no reason to beat yourself up. Yeah, that's really good. I feel like that's a huge sign that you've like matured as a runner is being able to, I don't know, take the losses, move on, learn from it. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's huge. Um, cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll get to college here in a second, but I guess we'll let David speak. God, I hope that some kids are like, all right, I'm going to fast forward to the part where the other guy talks again. Um, <laughs> I want to listen to the 214 marathoner, not this guy. Um, I thought you broke too. <laughs> in what? <laughs> yeah. So I got my start in running. Well, first of all, I went to Westfield High School. Um, and I got my start in running when I moved to Indiana in seventh grade or, or yeah, I moved here right before seventh grade. And I had hoop dreams and football dreams. And um, that's why they're dreams. They weren't reality. I was horrible, uh, <laughs> you know, way undersized, tiny, unathletic. I quit football. And my parents said, find a new fall hobby because you're not sitting on your butt all day playing video games, which is definitely what I would have done. <laughs> so I, I decided to do cross country pretty arbitrarily. Um, you know, I, my mom did some like elementary school CIO track coaching for as a volunteer gig. So I knew what it was, but that's it. Again, it was very arbitrary. I just said, all right, cross country, I'll do that because I got to do something. <laughs> nice. So you had, you hadn't run before you moved here? No. And, and again, this is eighth grade when I started um, mm-hmm. my first season of cross country. So it's still pretty young, I'd say. Okay. So how was it starting out? Did you hate it? Love it? How'd you feel about it? <laughs> well, Caleb's going to be, uh, he's going to beat me in a lot of things today, but he's not going to beat me in being really bad. Um, <laughs> cause I was really bad and mm-hmm. I mean, dead last on my team, eighth grade, freshman year, sophomore year, it took a long time till I started to get my feet under me. Um, you know, my, my freshman year, 5k first time we did a time trial on Northview cross country course. I think I ran a 2740. No um, way. Yeah. Yeah. And and oh. I was like, oh dang, I ran three miles. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I mean, but I liked it, which was kind of funny because oh, really? I quit football because I was so bad. And it's not like I joined running and was good. I was bad. And so I I just I really liked it. Um, for a lot of the same reasons that Caleb described, which is you know, you don't have to be running you know, all state times running varsity, et cetera. You can take pride in just like getting better. And as I found out, I just kept getting better. Um, you know, I PR'd every single race except for one in high school. Wow. Like the whole time? Mm-hmm. Well, like cross country and track? Oh, sorry, just track. Just, or, or just cross country. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I actually still, didn't that's... I actually didn't do track until my junior year. So probably a, a big factor why I didn't really get good at it for a while mm-hmm. is that I wasn't running year round because my hoop dreams were still alive. I did like intramural mm-hmm. basketball each winter, my freshman, sophomore year. Um, but yeah, I, I started doing year round running my junior year of high school. Okay. Do you still hoop at all? Oh, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't have ligament in my knees, heart <laughs> <I don't laughs> yeah. cartilage. Uh, I, if I do anything lateral, I don't think I'll be able to walk for like a week. <laughs> um, so being not great starting out like what did you believe that you could get good eventually that's an interesting question because it was never really my motivation with the sport so i didn't have that in my mind 
I really just liked that. I liked the team. I liked cross country. There was a very, you know, kind of a revelation, so to speak about cross country, which is that like, man, this is a team sport. And from the outside, you watch the Olympics, you watch, I mean, that's basically all the running you see on TV other than maybe, you know, Chicago marathon or something. Mm -hmm. And you think, oh, those are just a bunch of individuals. And yeah, they wear USA on their singlet, whatever they're out there for themselves. And for a lot of, you know, for a lot of people, that's the case, but you do high school cross country and you figure out that fifth guy on varsity made or break made or broke that race and mm. i thought that was a really cool concept now i was never varsity so i never really made or broke a varsity race but i, I occasionally be you know top five in a jv race which meant i got the score mm. um, and i really liked that and i really liked the team i liked the the continuous improvement that you really do get better the more you continue to press on and put in and that's remained true for i, I started the sport what's it been, you know, 15 years ago, 14 years ago. And, you know, every single year I've, I've noticed incremental improvements. Yeah. This may be a challenging question to answer, but for someone who is like, I don't know, relatively slow, like they're running in the upper twenties, like the, your attitude towards like, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to do it for the team. I'm going to continually improve. Like, is that transferable? I can, I don't know, how, how would you like coach someone up to, to take on that attitude or, yeah. Well, well, first of all, you know, for, if someone's listening right now and they hear, I said 2740 and I said it was slow and they're thinking, well, I ran 27 minutes this year or something like that. I, first of all, it's, it's not slow, right? If you're completing a 5k, you're already putting yourself ahead of, you know, 95, 99, even percent of the country. Um, if you're running a 5k and finishing and you know, et cetera. So I say slow. And I like that you said relatively slow. Cause, cause ultimately what I'm getting at is that I did get faster, right? It's just, it was slow in retrospect, but at the time, you know, that was still fast for me. And every time I made an improvement, you know, 24 minutes was a big barrier for me. My freshman year, I ran like, I think around just under, um, actually, I think I ran under 23 by the end of my freshman year. And I thought that was huge. And, and it was because I, I, I PR'd by four minutes plus. Yeah. And that's kind of the, if I'm going to coach someone up to, to press on and, and to continue and to be motivated in this sport, even when they're not putting up big times and running varsity. And I'm mainly going to focus on if you're beating past you, you're succeeding in the sport. Mm. Uh, and even, even if you're not, especially you have to have that mindset all the time. Like if you're doing your best at the end of the day, you're, you're succeeding because you put your body on the line and did something that your body didn't want to do that day. <laughs> um, and that's a good perspective to have when you get older too. You know, when you get in your forties and fifties, you start thinking, all right, I'm not going to be able to run my mile PR anymore, but mm-hmm. I can go run my, my master's PR. I can get relatively to what my body can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's the main perspective I would have with coaching up somebody. Um, but ultimately you can't force someone to love it or to believe in it. And they have to really catch on and, and enjoy it. I, I've, I mean, most of the people I, I went to high school with uh, and ran with in high school and then in college, they don't run anymore. Most of them, mm. um, or at least they don't compete. And mm. the people who do, there's a commonality and it's that they, they fell in love at some point. And that's me. That's Caleb. That's, that's you. That's mm-hmm. everyone who's still doing it. It's because they love it. 
Um, and yeah. that, that's hard to coach. That's, that's impossible to coach. It's impossible to teach. They have to figure that out. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great perspective. Like if you, is it, if you're running 27 minutes on, let's say one of, one of the best teams in the state and you're seeing a guy go 15 minutes in a 5k, it's just like, like, what's the point? You know, why, why am I, why am I doing this? But if you can take on that perspective of like beating your past self of continually, continuously improving, I think that that's huge. And I think it's also the beauty of, of high school running is that not everyone's going to continue running, but if they can learn a lesson like that, that they can steadily improve in other areas, I think that's, that's huge. Um, were, so were there any like big jumps for you or big moments where you're like, okay, things are starting, starting to click? Well, I had a growth spurt and I think that's very common in high school. Um, you know, Caleb mentioned it too. I, I hit one at like junior year. I think I, gave, I, I grew like four or five inches in a year. And, and when that happens, you don't usually put on weight during that time. So I'm running with the same weight with, you know, mm. longer legs and Aren't more you of like 6'10". <laughs> yeah. Six yeah. I'm famously seven feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> um, famously one tall people on earth. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I hit a, hit a growth spurt. Um, I, I am five eleven for, for, uh, you know, to, to make sure we're being accurate on this podcast. We don't like to spread disinformation you're, on you're so tall, David. So tall. <laughs> no, 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 no disinformation on Indiana runner. Um, <laughs> yeah. so I'll bleep this out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just take all that out. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, what was the question? Oh yeah. Um, I, I started to see improvements my junior mm-hmm. year. Um, or bigger improvements. I've seen improvements my entire high school career, but um, the bigger jumps came when I started to really get uh, my legs under me after my growth spur. I had some hip issues with my growth spur. I grew pretty quickly my junior year. Um, and I think I went from, I, I was looking back and trying to rem- remember my, my PRs from each year of high school. And my freshman year PR was like 22 something. Sophomore year was 20 something. And then junior was like 1830. And that was a big deal for me because I was like, wow, I never thought I'd run under 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and then senior year was 1730. So I th- I'd say that junior year was my biggest jump. Okay. Um, was there a point, kind of a similar question, was there a point where you fell in love with the sport or was that also kind of a continuous process? I think, I think I, I'd be lying if I said I fell with, in love with it instantly. Mm-hmm. or at all at one point as well. And I don't want to be too repetitive about this, but I'd say somewhere in high school, I really did fall in love though with a sport. And that's the biggest reason why I did it year round. My junior year was, I was like, all right, a- am I really going to be a basketball player at any level be beyond like intramural high school <laughs> basketball? Like, no, I-, I knew that. And, and it wasn't as fun. I was missing out being part of the team. And so, um, and just watching yourself get better. It's, it's kind of intoxicating, not going to lie. Yeah, for sure. Um, are there any other key moments that stick out when you think about your time in high school? Yeah, I have I have one quick story. So mm-hmm. am I allowed to name people by name? Sure. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it would be easy to search anyway, but um, there was a runner on our team, Connor Martin. He was the best runner on our team my wow. freshman and sophomore year, and then he graduated and, you know, he was a 15 low 5k guy, all state, Mr. Westfield going D1 to run for Princeton. It was kind of, 
And, you know, he was a really good guy too. Like he was really easy to look up to. Mm. And I really looked up to him as a teammate and as a person. And I remember at the at the end of my sophomore year, so when he was done with his senior year, we had a cross-country banquet and he gave a speech in which he said something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of having a massive amount of respect for runners like me and, and runners in the back of the pack running 18, 20, 22, 24 minutes in a 5K. And his reason for saying that was not because... Um, you know, it wasn't like the the pity clap, so as as we call mm -hmm. it, but like more that running a twenty minute five k doesn't hurt any less than running a fifteen minute five k, depending on your ability. Um, it just hurts longer, and that's that's where he was getting at was that you know he knew that people like me running twenty two minutes in a five k were in a lot of pain to run that and had to push through that. Um, we just had to do it for seven minutes more than he did. And <laughs> that gave me a lot of really great perspective. And I think about that a lot. And I think about that when I go to a road race and I, if I run fast, I, I look back at everyone else finishing and it's really inspiring to watch people push themselves that same level, usually mm -hmm. uh, for an even longer amount of time than I did. Yeah. That's a, it's kind of a double-edged sword. Cause like only, only, you know, how much you pushed yourself, like no mm -hmm. one else, like you can't, you can try to communicate that to others, but you can't like quantify it or. Yeah. yeah and that, that's a good point though. And I can say confidently, cause I've been all across the spectrum in my times, um, on, in a 5k running 15 minute 5k hurt. It did not hurt any more than when I was a sophomore mm -hmm. in high school running a 22 minute, uh, 5k. It didn't. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. No, you're definitely, definitely right. Um, cool. Well, we'll come back to college for you and your, uh, transition to that. But Caleb, um, so I guess junior, senior year, when did uh, running in college like come into frame? Uh, where all were you considering going? What was the recruiting process like? Uh, things like that. Yeah. Um, so I, for the high school kids listening on the phone, like your cross country stuff doesn't really matter that much to college coaches, except for maybe being like a state champion or something. So um I had not run particularly fast on the track until the end of my junior year. And so there was not much in terms of recruiting before then. Mm -hmm. um, now I think that, you know, the recruiting window doesn't open up until pretty late for high schoolers anyway. But uh, I got like a couple calls from, from I think Butler, Dayton, Southern Indiana, a couple other, you know, local schools. Um, but I was not getting calls all the time and, and wasn't getting like scholarship offers or anything. Mm. Uh, so I knew there was an option to run in college. I went to a, uh, you know, I went on just regular college visits and would go talk to the track coaches usually wherever I went. Um, and they would usually say something like, yeah, you know, you might have to try out or something when you show up here and walk on, but, um, they didn't just shush me out the door immediately or anything. So um, I knew there was an option. I was not expecting though, to go to school for running. Okay. Um, so would you have given it up to go to, I guess, a good academic school or? Um, I don't know that I would have said like would have given it up, but it would have been, I mean, my priority and my parents were drilled this into me since I was about nine, <laughs> but like my priority was going to school for an education. 
Okay. Um, yeah. And hopefully I could do running along with that. I didn't even know if I, if I was committed enough to do a sport in college and I was going to do engineering mm-hmm. in school. And so, um, you know, I had to be really convinced that I really loved it enough to dedicate the time that it takes to do that. Plus yeah, going to school and, and trying to do well. <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, I went on a couple official visits, but really for me, it was, it, I was going to go to Purdue from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a question of would the Purdue team let me run for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a cut, there was a coaching transition at the same time. Um, and so there wasn't a coach for me to contact immediately. Um, and then about six months before I chose a school, uh, I did get in contact with Jake Stewart, who was the coach at Purdue at the time and, uh, talked to him about my career. He came to a couple of events. We, we, I went on an official visit. Um, and he said, you can walk on basically your preferred walk on spot. And so, you know, once I had that, uh, some academic money came in and then it was, it was an easy decision. Yeah. So you were like, you had a lot of peace after making that decision. Like it was. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I knew that was maybe the decision the whole time. It was sort of a, did any, if anyone else came in and gave, made me an offer, I couldn't refuse, right. <laughs> right. but, uh, but there was, there was no question in my mind. Yeah. Um, so how was the transition to Purdue? Um, was it smooth, bumpy? Um, it was pretty smooth, uh, both, well, you know, academically I had, I had to, uh, make some adjustments and learn to study and, you know, all of the shock and awe that you get when you show up to a difficult program in college. Um, (laughs) you know, I, everyone is smarter than you, (laughs) uh, you're not used to that. Uh, so, you know, I had to make some adjustments there, but I made great friends. Uh, I loved the team. Um, we had a big freshman class that we made, we made good connections early on. Uh, and I had a, a lot more success running than I expected. Mm. Uh, I was expecting to show up and like, my goal was kind of, okay, be a contributor in some way, you know, maybe make the travel team at some point in your career, you're a walk-on. Yeah. Right. And it quickly, I, I realized that I was going to be a more, you know, a score uh, uh, contributing on the team based on the first couple of workouts or the first race or two. Uh, and so that was a lot of fun too. Cause then it was, you know, it was real serious. It was serious anyway, but it was more of a, okay, now you're, you're, you're in a big 10, you're in um, high major school and you are, your performance directly matters based on for the rest of your team. It yeah. isn't just for you and, and getting to throw on a uniform. Was there a, an aspect of training that you really like took to or really, I don't know, was six, made you successful, I guess? Um, I've, I've always been a really um, consistent trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I very rarely have like real bad low days and really spectacular high days. I pretty much can show up any day and pinpoint where I'm going to be. Mm. um, plus or minus a few seconds. And that's really helpful in college where it's, you know, you get in your training group, coach gives you the workouts. I go hit the workouts and go home. Um, and so I, I I was good about not overdoing it, um, at least early on. Uh, and that grew a lot of confidence. So 
Yeah. So did, did that come naturally or did that have a lot to do with your preparation before workouts or what contributed to that consistency? Um, I think I'm pretty calm, a pretty calm runner. I'm good at the self-talk mm. that, um, you know, I don't, I don't get negative on myself when I'm running very often. Um, even when it's going poorly. Mm. So, uh, I think that helps that even when it's a bad, you quote unquote, bad day, I'm able to hold it together better than maybe the average athlete would. Yeah. Um, I don't know where that comes from specifically, but that's, that's something that I've noticed about myself. Yeah. That's a, a great attribute to have, uh, for sure. Uh, can you think of, uh, I guess, like key moments during your time at Purdue? Um, and what were some, maybe the high highs, some of the lower lows, things that stick out during your time? Um, yeah, I had some, some, uh, the high highs came early on. Um, my yeah. freshman, sophomore year, I came out and, um, I ran at the time what had been the fastest debut 5k for a freshman, a true freshman at Purdue wow. uh, indoors. Um, that lasted for about three days before Matt McClintock ran faster, but, um, <laughs> it was, I ran with fourteen twenty eight, which now, you know, it probably isn't nearly as fast anymore, but at the time I was really, really happy with that it was minute PR from high school almost. Wow. Um, and first time I'd run on the track. And I was running with like John Mascari and um, a couple other guys that were that were cross all Americans that same year, and mm-hmm. I'm kicking with them here at the end of this race, and um, so that was a really cool. I got beat, but it was you know I was right there, and it was a really cool um, moment where I realized that I could compete at this level. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, so the lows came later where. Uh, between my sophomore and junior year, I started to develop this pain in my Achilles. Um, it it kind of came and went for a little bit, but eventually it became steady and moved into both ankles. Um, at the same time, I, I started to become an insomniac. Mm. So I, you know, I'm sleeping three hours a night ish, even if I get wow. to bed early. Um, David can attest to that. We were roommates for a little bit. Uh, and that just really drained my ability to recover from whatever this injury was. We never could figure it out. We thought it was Achilles tendonitis. We thought it was um, maybe a tear or something like that. But anytime I'd take time off and come back, it wouldn't get better. Um, And it sort of steadily progressed and and degraded throughout the rest of my college career. So um, I didn't get much faster from the time I was a sophomore. I still was able to contribute across but wasn't getting better. And that was really frustrating. Mm. Um, we had a coaching change at the same time and I didn't really mesh as well with the new coach, probably because I was also injured and trying to, trying to adjust all of these things at once. Um, so I got to watch some of my teammates be really successful. And so that was good and fun, but it, you know, the whole time I'm thinking, man, I wish that was me too. Yeah. Um, and uh, eventually we did get it figured out, but my, my ankle injuries, but it wasn't until after I graduated that I got the correct diagnosis and was able to fix it. Wow. So, so basically the rest of my career was kind of tanked by that experience. Um, I, I still, you know, look back on it fondly, but, uh, 
didn't get to experience the level of success that I had hoped for or expected maybe when I was a freshman or sophomore. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, I'm trying not to laugh. David's got his hand raised on Zoom. <laughs> I, I, just, I just want to comment that Caleb said that we were roommates for a little bit. and Two years. <laughs> three years. Three years. Three years. Um, I don't know how fast life moves for Caleb, but uh, I think three years is a little bit more than a little bit. Anyway, a lot of it. Sorry about your Achilles. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously like you're still running now at a high level. Like what, uh, how did it get resolved? What, what came of the Achilles injury? So um, the, I ha- end up getting diagnosed with something called a uh, Haglund's deformity, um, which is uh, remember Galen Rupp had surgery a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, Jake Riley, I think had the same thing. It's actually fairly common. I didn't know anything about it at the time, but I went to a podiatrist in Indy um, and he took like one look at my ankles, threw me on an x-ray machine. and was like, yeah, this is your problem. And we, uh, I had surgery. Uh, The surgery itself wasn't bad, but the recovery sucked. Um, It took me a full year really to get back to training after that. Um, so it, it just takes so long and it was, you know, it wasn't a couple of months and you get back to jogging and, and, you know, you're not running a hundred miles a week until a year later. It was, I was not running more than a minute or 30 seconds or something for a long, long time. Um, gained a lot of weight, a lot, a lot of weight for me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I wasn't able to exercise and uh, it was, it was an intense rehab yeah. process. Did you know that was going to be the case heading into surgery? When, when I had it, the doctor said, you know, you don't get a lot of blood flow in your Achilles. It heals really, really slowly. If you go too fast with your recovery, it will not go well for you. So Mm -hmm. take your time. And I really just tried to follow his instructions the whole time. Cause I was thinking, I really wasn't thinking that much about getting back to high level running. It was more of a, I want to not be in pain when I'm 30. Yeah. Every day when I got up before that, I was I could not walk really without a serious limp for the wow. first hour or two, or without a lot of, um, you know, anti-inflammatory medication. You could always so, hear when, you could always hear when Caleb woke up because you'd hear a lot of thumping around the apartment. Because <laughs> I'm walking on my heels only, um, can't even touch my balls, and my feet. So, um, so yeah, it wasn't that wasn't very much fun, but at least we eventually got it figured out. And the doctor that did my surgery was excellent. Um, if anyone has, get his diagnosis of Haglund's deformity, Dr. Porter, um, here in India is, is pretty awesome. So, yeah. What about, uh, insomnia? How did, how did that get resolved? <laughs> I don't know that, that is resolved. Um, <laughs> I, I've, uh, that's something that I've dealt with ever since. Mm. Um, I've, I've gotten better at being good about like sleep hygiene and things that I didn't really even know were a thing when I was, um, in college, you know, trying to turn my phone off before bed and not watch TV and, um, read and have, have some time for my mind to slow down before just trying to go to bed. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it hasn't fixed it by any means, but it's gotten a lot better than it was. Then. Okay. I'd be really disciplined about it, but it's gotten a lot better. 
Yeah, so that, that was kind of the key to for it to improve is sleep hygiene stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sleep sleep hygiene um, and just being consistent times going to bed, consistent times waking. I guess that all is encompassing sleep hygiene, mm-hmm. but um, being really disciplined about sticking to a routine. Okay, yeah. Cool. Is there anything else from your time in college you want to touch on? Um, I had a great, a couple of teammates that had some pretty, I got to experience some pretty awesome things through what my teammates were doing. So mm-hmm. I was training partner, Matt McClintock, um, not an Indiana guy, but uh, big 10 champ in cross big 10, 5,000 champ, a couple time all American cross country and track uh, made a world team in cross country. Uh, Tate Shinbine won us juniors in the steeplechase. Uh, and then, you know, I've got some teammates from the track side that are in the NFL or playing in the Olympic or competing in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty awesome, but the, probably the the best takeaway for me from college was my, my wife, Katie, there's a connection to running there. So she was also on the track team, Mm -hmm. um, and a much better athlete than David or I, she's the the mouse school record holder at Purdue, um, 436 Mm -hmm. and was all American. So that's so a, I've still got a ways to go in my family. Yeah, there you go. Cool. Well, we'll touch on uh, on post-college after David. Um, so David, if you want to talk about your transition to to college, I know kind of like I know some of the details, but you just want to give the the whole story. Sure. Um I, you know, I wasn't recruited or anything like that. Um I, I had no intentions to run at Purdue. I actually chose Purdue almost reluctantly because I wanted to run in college and I couldn't do that D1. And so I chose between Rose Holman, Trine and Purdue. And I just did not get enough academic scholarship from Rose Holman or Trine to justify going there. So um, Purdue ended up being the logical choice there. So I went to school with no intentions. I actually didn't even know if I was going to keep running at all. But coincidentally, I was roomed right next to Tate Shinbine and a Harlow lad, two runners on the team. Caleb mentioned Tate. He's a he's an Indiana runner, um, and befriended them really quickly, and you know, took off from there. I, I ran with the Purdue guys all the time my freshman year. Um, made running buddies right away, which just made the transition to college really easy because there's just something so common about distance runners that we just kind of click, right? You. you I've learned that post collegiately too. Meeting people who are into this sport, you just have this foundational commonality with them that makes, um, you know, befriending people a lot easier. Um, so made a lot of friends on the team and then they hooked me up with the head coach, Dave Hartman at the time to be an assistant coach. So I was a voluntary assistant coach, my freshman and sophomore year for Purdue. And all the while I was training on my own and, uh, coach Hartman, you know, he, he, he definitely gave me some favor here, but I asked him, Hey, what do I need to do to walk on the team? And he said, uh, run fifteen twenty. I'm sure to like anyone else, he would have said 15 minutes. Um, but he said fifteen twenty, and I ended up running like fifteen twenty seven my sophomore year of college. Um, and you know, all the, you know, little background behind that, even I was going to Tuesday workouts to time the Purdue team every, every Tuesday. And, and then you go into meets, go into Friday workouts, stuff like that. Um, I'd be at the track on Tuesdays from like 11 AM to 7 PM because of the way that people's schedules worked for, 
you know, groups in college and different distance groups, having the mid D people, the steeple people, the 5k people. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be at the track for like six, seven, eight hours every Tuesday. And then when everyone left, I'd get, I'd go change, get in my clothes and go do the same workout that we just timed and get, you know, did splits for. Um, and I got really good. I started to like really see improvements, um, in my own, my own running. And like I said, I, I ended up running 15, 27, my sophomore year at an open race. And, um, you know, which was a two minute PR from high school. Yeah. And coach Hartman just kind of said, yeah, good enough, close enough. And he <laughs> gave me a spot to walk on my junior year of college. Well, summer between sophomore and junior year, he resigned and went to UTSA, which is where he is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the new coach who came in, um, he ended up cutting all the walk-ons after like the third day of practice. And so my D1 running experience was about 72 hours. Um, and that ultimately leads me to the club team. So I, you know, I, I got better at the sport. I didn't want that all to go to waste and I wanted to find avenues to keep improving. So I joined the Purdue run club and they actually have a governing body, NERCA national intercollegiate running club association. And you can do NERCA nationals for cross country and track and field. So I found really good competition there kept bettering myself, um, you know, just really wanted to see where else the sport could take me. Mm-hmm. So was it, uh, I guess a pretty smooth transition from the three days of running D one to, to the club team. Yeah. So it, I didn't take off with the club team right away. I, I did my own thing for a while. Cause I really wanted to just keep training the way I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was taking a little bit for me to really like, you know, get over the fact that I, I, got cut so quick so I trained on my own for a while and then it wasn't really till my senior year that I like was consistently going to practice with the club team but met a lot of like really excited and talented freshmen that were coming in that that season that kind of took under my wing and and like to run with them and train with them and I came I became the pseudo coach athlete for the run club my senior year Mm -hmm. Um, and then ultimately when I graduated I ended up you know coaching the run club from like 2017 to 2020. Um, so found a lot of like identity in coaching in the sport mm-hmm. and, uh, and found that I was, I don't know if I was getting good at it or if I just got lucky and got good athletes, but you know, I, I really, really, uh, enjoyed the, the run club and I kind of skipped over your question about the transition, but, um, it, it wasn't that hard of a transition because like I said, we all, people who are competing and running have a very, unique commonality that that really bonds us and that was no different with the people on the run club versus the people on the d1 team that we all just enjoy competing getting the most out of ourselves yeah how do you think maybe in like life broadly your view towards running coaching i guess any of those things would be different if you didn't get cut if you like would have stayed at the d1 team and didn't have the opportunity to work with the run club guys i think about that a lot josh i think I think it was ultimately a net good thing for me. Um, I think that, you know, I wasn't going to race at big tens and be top seven at, on the D one squad. Um, my PRs from college alone would show that, but, you know, I think I probably would have been a back of the pack runner on the D one team if I didn't get cut and that would have been fine. I would have enjoyed it, but I think the journey of continuing to run because I love it and not necessarily because I have practice at three 30, mm. um, really just propelled me into where I am today, just continuing to run because 
I'm I'm doing this by choice. I'm doing this by um, pure love of the sport and and desire to get better. And you know, actually, <laughs> to, today I thought about that more than ever because I <laughs> I got done with work kind of late today. And it's 40 degrees and pouring freaking rain outside. <laughs> I've got I've got 45 minutes till we start this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm like I haven't run today. I'm tired. I'm hungry. It's raining. It's my least favorite weather. And, but there's that, there's always that little inner drive, that little, that little push to keep going. So, you know, that, I don't know if I would really have that if I was running by obligation rather than running by choice and and drive. Um, So I I think, yeah, continuing the sport with my own, my own path, my own identity was important. Yeah. So going back a little bit to like your freshman, sophomore year, or even just throughout college what uh what allowed you to like continue improving um because you went from 1730 your senior year of high school down to 1530 your sophomore year of college like it's like you said a two minute two minute drop uh was it the training was it the the people you're running with what allowed you to keep improving it's everything sticking with it i was training harder probably i mean i was definitely doing more miles in college um, you know, high school training was fun as it should be. I mean, we were doing Frisbee on Wednesday practices and running on trails at Cool Creek Park, which is like a two mile long trail. Like we, we trained hard in high, in high school, but rightfully so we were limited because we're so young and don't want to burn your kids out. So getting to experience a little bit more with mileage in college, um, I, I think I got up to running like 75 to 80 miles per week, which was probably three times more than I was doing in high school. Mm. Um, so mile, you know, it's, but ultimately it's just sticking with it and keeping the improvements um, that, you know, the, what can I do to further this mindset? Um, and then the people around me, I was training with fast people. I was still running with the, the D1 team on weekends and stuff. And I mean, I was friends with all of them. I, I was living with Caleb and uh, two other guys on the team. So surrounding myself with, fast people run with them, uh, mm-hmm. get dropped in workouts, stuff like that. You, you get better if you just keep, keep showing up. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm stealing that from Des Linden. There we go. Have, have you, uh, like ran into or interacted with maybe like past teammates or coaches or, or even just like reflected yourself about like how far you've come from like a 27 minute 5k runner all the way down to, uh, sub 15 eventually. Yeah. I, when I had my senior year banquet in high school at the time, my coach had said that I was the most um, improved cross country runner in their history that I, going, taking 10 minutes off of my PR yeah. from start to finish of high school. And I don't know if that still sticks. There's probably others who have done better than, than I have since, but um, I, I, I do get the occasional, I don't interact with too many people from my high school anymore. Um, but the very few times that I have, um, yeah, they're usually pretty surprised by the, the fact that I got better and better and better. And, mm-hmm. um, and even the guys from college who most of my friends were on the D1 team and most of them, like I said before, aren't really training anymore or running anymore. And I've gotten a lot of, of positive compliments and feedback and stuff to, to inflate my own ego, but um, <laughs> from then that, that it's kind of surprising for, for them to see me continue to 
improve. And, and, but really the only difference is that I just kind of stuck with it. Um, you know, for better or for worse, I just, I, I love to train. I still love to train and that's why I'm doing it today. That's awesome. Uh, is there anything else from, uh, from college that, uh, you want to bring out that you remember from that time? Yeah, I got, I got another story. So, right. and I'll be quick. Um, I'll take your time. My junior year, when I got cut after three days on the team, I was feeling really low and depressed and just upset. I thought about just, all right, I'm done with running <laughs> um, for a moment. And I texted a a handful of people, but one guy in particular who gave me some really, really good feedback. And it's I, I straight up think about it every season, probably once a month. I don't know. So his name is Brett Klosterhoff, and he was a senior on the team um, when I was a sophomore. So he he had graduated by this point. And I texted him and told him what happened because he had he knew that I had walked on. And his advice to me um, was something along the lines of like, you know, they can take the locker room, they can take the gear, they can take the organized practice away from you, they can take the logo off your chest, but they can't take the sport from you. Mm. And running is just the most accessible sport in the world, right? I would say that all you need is a pair of shoes, but realistically, you don't even need that to participate. Um, I was so, oh my gosh, the moment I, I, when he texted me that I went out for like a 10 mile run that day, Let's go. crushed it. I was so pumped and motivated. Um, mm-hmm. and it was one of the biggest reasons why I just kind of, you know, I, I put my, my feelings aside and just went back to training. Yeah. Wow. That's, that is great advice. Um, wow. So it was a pretty quick turnaround or did you still feel pretty, pretty down after it? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty quick. I I got right back into mm-hmm. whatever fitness I got myself into that summer. I just I try to go put it to use. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, so I want to get into I guess both your stories after college because you've both had great success on the road and even on the track as well. Um, Caleb, if you want to start again, um, so we kind of left off with the Achilles surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did How'd that end up? How did you make your transition back into, into running? Um, so, you know, after a long recovery, uh, the, the great thing about where I was then was that I was pretty much starting from zero and had, uh, I got to experience the like rapid improvement that you have when you're young Mm. all over again. So I, you know, I came back and I'm running literally less than five minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. And then, um, a month later I run a 5k, just like one of those fundraiser 5ks just for fun. And I ran with my wife, um, who was running kind of semi-pro at the time and doing like a workout basically. And I just wanted to see if I could keep up with her. Mm-hmm. And I did in like, you know, 17 minutes or something, um, or slower than that, I think, uh, and, you know, compared to what I was running a couple of years ago in college, it's nothing. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, but also compared to what I had been doing a, doing a year ago, which was not being able to run a mile, uh, it was a big jump. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, time just kept lopping off that fall. I ran 69 minutes or so for the half marathon. Um, and one thing I had told, uh, my wife and and a couple other folks that you know running friends of mine 
was I, I really want to go and qualify for the Olympic trials in the marathon. Wow. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to, to get back to that level of fitness or not. But that's my goal. Um, and it didn't seem very realistic that fall when I ran barely ran halfway yeah. <laughs> in, in the qualifying time, um, or on the qualifying pace, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that spring, um, this would be a good lead, I guess, for working man's track club was we, uh, you know, I was trying to still train on my own, um, and getting better, but I, I ran into a couple guys, um, that were living in the area and still training at a pretty high level, Jordan, Kyle, and Tom Anderson. Um, Jordan is a couple time all America from IU in Colorado, several years older than me, um, Tom was a, a Butler grad who I ran against in college for a little bit from the UK. Uh, and now he's like a 13, 20 something 5k runner and super fast. So, uh, but at the time, you know, they were just, they were just running on weekends or in the mornings before work. And, um, so I met up with them. I started meeting with them mm-hmm. and, uh, one of my old teammates, Jeremy Craven moved down, uh, and, uh, he was, he was living in Indianapolis for a little bit. David lived on the East side of Indianapolis. So I'd meet up with him sometimes to train. And, um, eventually, uh, after a few years, we started to becoming a more serious, like training group mm-hmm. together. Um, and right. So I'll, I won't skip ahead too far that fall. I did qualify for the trials, which was a huge, you know, a a huge step for me, um, gave me all my running confidence back basically. Um, and really helped me fall in love with marathon. Yeah. Uh, and then training with those guys has made it super fun too. It's the team environment is back. Mm. Um, but there's not the pressure of, um, needing to go be ready for the race next month that you're not really ready for. Um, you're just kind of helping each other out to, to reach some goal that is just a hobby. Um, yeah. it's a really serious hobby, but, but it makes it a lot of fun that way. Um, there's nothing, there's no skin in the game other than whatever you put in. Yeah. So, um, so backtracking a little ways, um, sure. all the way back to your Achilles recovery, but like during that year, were you set on, on getting back to some kind of form? Did you think about giving up running? Like what, where was your mind at through that year? Uh, I knew I wanted to get back to running, but mm-hmm. I was trying not to put some expectation on myself of you're going to be this fast mm. or um, I didn't, I didn't want to say, okay, not if, if I say Olympic trials, not qualifying for the Olympic trials would then be a failure even if I got back to running and trained really hard and was in a much better state physically and mentally than I was then. If I said, you know, the goal that I set out there was Olympic trials or bust, then I'd set myself up a failure maybe. Um, So first it was just get back to running and enjoying it. And then once I knew I could do that and feel like I was healthy, it very quickly became now let's put some competitive goals out there. Mm. that um you can push yourself to reach again yeah what uh what race did you qualify for the trials in uh indie monumental so okay 
you know, right here in my backyard, basically. Yeah. Heading into the race, did you, how'd you feel about your chances of hitting the time? Um, I was pretty confident. I had, uh, it, you know, it, in a marathon, nothing is guaranteed. Like it's, it, it is even in the best shape of your life. Uh, you can, you can have things happen during a race and, and run the worst time you ever run. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the weather was good. I had a good group to run with. Um, I had trained really well. I was healthy and I knew if I didn't do something dumb and something catastrophic didn't happen, mm-hmm. I, I would be right there. I only qualified by a couple seconds, but, uh, oh, wow. but I was, I was pretty confident even, even within the last couple of miles when I was right on the edge. Yeah. Um, how are you able to balance work, personal life, seriously training? Like what is, what does a day in a life look like? Day in the life look like for you? <laughs> oh man. It's honestly, uh, I actually think it's easier than it was in college, believe it or really? not. Huh. Um, because in, in many jobs, I've had some jobs that since college that weren't this way, but many jobs, it's a little bit more structured. You know, when you're going to be at work and you know, when you're going to be gone nine times out of 10. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I can, I also know that when I'm home from work, most of the time I I'm done with my work for the day. Right. Where in college, it was like, I've got tests to prepare for and all this homework. And I never know when things are going to be overloaded or not, or traveling during the week. Um, so it's easy to get into a routine, uh, post collegiately. So I, you know, it's just get up early, basically get up really early, go to bed early and you're going to have time to train if, if that's what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, okay. This is a very specific and random question that I thought of when I was prepping <laughs> for this. Uh, I'm just going to read it. So you're currently the 35th best marathon in the U S according to world athletics, which is pretty crazy. Um, if you were the 35th best in the U S at pretty much any other sport, you'd be very well paid full-time professional. Um, what does this say about our sport? Have you thought about this reality? Um, either about being 35th, 35th best marathoner in the U S or about being so good at your sport, but it not necessarily being super lucrative. <laughs> um, take that take that yeah. any direction you want to go <laughs> i've really tumbled the rankings since uh since cim and uh houston i guess i was uh i was i think 14th or something at the end of last really? year so uh but it was real early in the rankings for that for that year mm. um honestly uh I, ha- I have thought of that but more as just a passing like chuckle mm. thought um, you know, it, it's not necessarily fair to say that I'm the 35th, 35th best athlete in a, a sport. Um, I look at marathoning as a subset of track and field. Mm, right. And so it's more like, okay, you're the 35th best, uh, defensive tackle or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's a specific event within the larger sport. Um, and when you think of it that way, you're not like, overinflating, I think what <laughs> your accomplishments have been. Um, I'm certainly very proud of where I stand, uh, in the national and international rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think of it like, man, I deserve to be paid money for this. Mm. Uh, it's, 
uh, this is a sport that I do because I enjoy it and it's a, it is something fun. I don't want it to be my, my livelihood. Mm. Uh, I've got friends that are on the pro circuit. Um, and, uh, it's hard. Like it is a cutthroat performance based world for, Mm. for runners or athletes of any kind really. But, um, you know, the, the difference between you making it for a year and you making getting cut and having no job is stepping in a pothole or, yeah. or, or having one bad day in a marathon. So I, I'm, I'm really glad for where I stand. Um, and I don't know what it says about the sport. We, the numbers of participation are still really high. People are still getting a lot better. Running is not going to be the NFL or the NBA. And I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's a participation sport. It's not a spectator sport for everybody other than the people that want to compete. And, and, I don't think it's owed anything to, to be different than that. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> I think that's, that's uh true. It's more like being a defensive tackle, I guess, than <laughs> best. Uh, yeah. But you were at once the 14th best defensive tackle. That's pretty good. For about a week or something. <laughs> there you go. Um, do you have a, or a few highlights in your time post-college? Well, I definitely mentioned one with that. Yeah. That first time qualifying for the trials and the first time competing. Um, that was really, really awesome. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've had a lot of success since then in the marathon. Um, I ran two fourteen fifty last year at grandma's, which was a pretty big chunk. Um, yeah. and, and now, now I'm at a level where it's, I'm not quite, you know, up there with the guys that are really having a chance to make the Olympics, but they're the next group up the road mm, for me. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I haven't made it by any means, but it, it seems almost reachable. Wow. Um, and that's really awesome. Like when I go in 2024 to the trials, it's not, it's not with the expectation of making a team or anything, but it is, you can put yourself up there and you could be top 10, be top 15. Um, and that would be amazing. Um, never top 10 in your high school cross country state meet, never top 10 in the big 10 cross country meet. Um, but maybe at the Olympic trials, you could go, you go mix it up. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll see. Uh, one other highlight was, was this year, it was a highlight and a low light, but um, I got invited to be in the pro field in New York city marathon. Wow. Um, so I'm lined up with like Shura Katata and Galen Rupp and Evans Chibet and, um, these guys that had, you know, Abdi Abdurrahman, um, mm-hmm. guys that have won medals at the Olympics and, and won marathon majors. And I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> uh, but it was really, really a cool experience. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to do that again. Um, yeah. but that was, that was even maybe more than the Olympic trials, like, a wow, I, I am, I never would have predicted <laughs> yeah. this at any moment, even, even after like my highest highs of maybe college running or my making the Olympic trials back in 2018, would I have thought mm-hmm. this would end up <laughs> on this starting line? Yeah. So, Did you get to it's been a good ride. those guys? Uh, a little bit they're 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 pretty you know guys are real locked in 
Yeah. When you get when you get to the other the exception is Jared Ward probably. Uh, Jared Ward is like talking to everybody. Really? I'm also kind of a guy that likes to chat with everybody before the race because I'm trying to keep the nerves low. Mm. Um, but the other guys like you know Galen or um, some of the Kenyan athletes, they're like, uh, you know, hood up, headphones on. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking to you. I'm not paying, making eye contact with anybody. Yeah. Um, so everyone's different. Uh, but yeah. it was just cool being in the same, you know, in the same area and and trying to trying to imagine myself competing with them. Yeah. Um, so are you one to I guess set goals and expectations for yourself? Like when you head into the trials, are you gonna have the expectation of going top ten or are you just gonna lay it out there and whatever happens, happens kind of thing? Well, I try to be realistic about my about my goals. So um, it'll be more what the if I'm feeling like I've made a big leap in fitness and I could run who knows what the weather will be like or what the course is like in Orlando, but if I feel like I'm in shape to run a 210 or a 211 or a 212 even, um, I may start saying, all right, put yourself in that top 20 and just hope people hope people blow up in front of you. Mm. Um, but I, I really try to be, the marathon does not reward high risk. Yeah. You've got to be real realistic about, and I, and I missed in New York. I was, I was, um, I was real fit, but I did not adjust enough for the heat that day Mm. and I really paid for it. So, so I've got to go into the race based on whatever fitness I get to and say, you get the best out of yourself on the day and see where that lands you. But, but you cannot fake it. It will catch up to you. Yeah. Other events, you can fake it. I think you can fake it in the 5k. You can fake it in the mile and, and survive. You cannot fake it in the marathon. It will get you. Yeah. What, uh, what do you have planned before the trials? Um, so I just had a, I just had a minor surgery, um, not running related. Uh, but so I've taken some time off of running and and try not to put anything on the calendar until I'm fully recovered from that. So I don't rush back, you know? (laughs) Um, but I, I'm definitely going to take a shot at a fall marathon. Um, might be Chicago, might be Indy, um, maybe twin cities of Minnesota. Uh, we'll see. Um, and then probably a half this spring Indy mini, maybe, maybe, um, us 25 K championships up in Grand Rapids. Um, We'll see, we'll see what the fitness turns up in April and go from there. Cool. That's exciting. We'll be watching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll, I'll talk with David and we'll (laughs) kind of circle back together for working man's track club. Um, so David, what, uh, what's been your experience since, uh, since college, I guess, if you want to also talk about kind of coaching as well at the tail end of, of Purdue. Yeah. So like you said, I was coaching the Purdue run club through 2020 and then the pandemic happened and I moved to Michigan when I got married. Um, my wife is up here and, uh, we're just outside Detroit. And so I've been coaching individuals for the most part ever since, um, Josh, I coached you for two seasons uh, remotely, and um, that's kind of what I do now. And a few of the athletes on the Workman Track Club I coach as well. Um, and then all the while I'm training my own. I, I've mentioned this before, but as long as I keep getting better and enjoy it, I'm going to keep training. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just uh, 
just training hard and, and coaching and trying to get everyone to run fast so we can have happy days. There we go. Um, yeah, I, I loved, and I'm not saying this just cause you're right in front of me, but I love being trained by you. It was, uh, I don't know, like through high school, I had like one experience of, of training and I kind of took that, made it my own a little bit, but it was kind of one thing through college as well as, as I trained myself and like getting to experience a different plan that I don't know, I agreed with a lot in a lot of ways. And I feel like benefited me in a lot of ways. I think especially it changed my mind about having to do two workouts and a long run um, in a week. Um, not, not that there's anything like specifically wrong with that, but I don't know. I feel like it was, you tailored it to me in a way where I was able to like recover and like really hit my workouts and long runs well. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to talk about, I guess, what you've learned about training, coaching, running um, through your time with the run club and then now coaching a lot of athletes individually. The things I've learned about training and coaching, really three things. Um, you know, first of all, everybody's different. And so you got to train them differently and coach them differently. You might've responded way differently to something that I gave to other athletes of mine. And when you learn what makes athletes tick and what makes athletes, uh, motivated, everyone is, is different. Um, which is very similar to, you know, my second point, which is that there's no like one size fits all cookie cutter training plan. Mm-hmm. There's no real, you know, one way to get good at the sport. There are several ways to get good at the sport. I think I've taken some mildly unconventional routes. And I think that, um, you know, I think that, uh, my training has been way different than Caleb and my background has been way different than Caleb and, and you, and, um, but there's so many avenues that you can get good at the sport. And, and so when you talk about taking on different training plans and different coaching and you can be successful under pretty much any coaching regimen as, as long as it's not, you know, ludicrous and, and just ridiculous, uh, um, you know, running into the ground type stuff or, or never challenging you. But if there's some mix of challenging and, um, and, and building there's, you're going to get better at the sport. And then the third thing that I've learned about coaching is that running is an evolving sport. And we've seen it really recently with the the oncoming of new shoe technology and gear and and but the training itself is evolving and it always has. There's a reason why <laughs> why we're not doing Emil Zatopek 100 by 400 <laughs> 7 days a week uh <laughs> nowadays. You know that there there's some training that I actually have gotten really into reading about like 1940s 50s 60s runners roger banister emil zatopek um mm-hmm. you know a b- bunch bunch of dudes who i don't think any of them really knew what they were doing which is kind <laughs> of great and kind of beautiful because they were all really good for their time they were the best in their in the world at the time but it, like i said there's a reason why we're, we're not doing what they're doing and so taking in new information new data um and being able to evolve as a coach and as an athlete and, and adjust um adjust as you learn I think those would, those would be the three most important things that I've learned. That's awesome. Um, you can share as much as, as you want with this, this question, but are there, I guess, like specific aspects of training, whether it be workouts, mileage, um, distance between workouts, things like that, that you found a lot of your athletes respond really well to, that you respond really well to, that you've, I don't know, I guess are kind of cornerstones of your training? 
not all my athletes, right? Because like I said, everyone's different. I I have I have uh an athlete right now who runs like three to four days a week and he does most of his training on elliptical and bike and cross training. Mm. And it's partly because you know he he gets like a knee flare up and um but he's still running PRs and he's still improving. Mm. Um and, and so he's taken a much more unconventional route to to being good at running it. It's not necessarily what I would ideally be giving an athlete. Um, and so I don't have a, an easy answer for you other than I really don't like to, I don't like the toe of the line between like hard and insane. I, I will always undersell something and mm. I'm going to undertrain you before I overtrain you. Typically um, there's, there are scenarios where I'll say in a workout, like, okay, go see God, like <laughs> go, go run, go run your butt off. But yeah. But, you know, I, that's probably the only thing that I, I really try to stay away from, because I think that can get someone to really hate the sport and, and it can get someone to hate your training. Um, and, and it can get people hurt. And it's just, I, I'm probably a little too conservative in that aspect. In fact, I, I have had athletes tell me to my face that like some of my training wasn't hard enough and and we've had to, we've had to adjust accordingly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think. I don't know. It can be tough to trust when like, you're not like you haven't experienced that all out pain that you're going to feel like during a race. It can just be hard to, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just hard to like trust that you'll be ready when you haven't really like fully gone to the well, even though you don't have to. You know? Yeah. I think there, I think there are people and I, this might be a, even a high school mindset. Cause this is kind of how I was in high school, which is like, if I'm not keeled over and out of <laughs> and dead at the end of a workout, then it didn't work which is just not true. And, you know, Caleb can attest to this, um, but just like consistency and riding that line between like, this is hard, but I'm not going to die. Mm -hmm. um, you can ride that for a long time and keep getting better at the sport. You don't have to go, like I said, see God on every workout. For sure. Definitely just, it takes a lot of maturity to, to, to figure out where that, that sweet spot is. You know, yeah. most people, it's just easy to go all out or, go super easy like to figure out where that like 90 95 window is especially over like a long period of time like a tempo or something it takes a while to learn oh man man don't even get me started on tempos like <laughs> i i think i've described a tempo differently to every single person i've talked to ever i don't think anyone can truly describe a tempo <laughs> it's so true or we all we all think it's different yeah and everyone has like different names for it it's all kind of the same thing yeah Cool. Um, so you're, you're also no slouch yourself when it comes to like, your own running. Um, are there any highlights, key moments that I guess, as you reflect on the past couple of years since college come to mind? Well, I, I appreciate, uh, not being a slouch, but <laughs> you're all right. I don't, I don't know if you open your show with like a cold open or if you do it with like an introduction yourself, but I, I think that you should, you should go, um, joining us on our podcast today is, a division one athlete from Purdue, two-time Olympic trials qualifier, a two fourteen marathon, Caleb Kerr and David. <laughs> and David. I think you should do it. And but anyway. David. <laughs> but um, I mean, I'm very proud of the the ground that I've made. I, it's not really how I want to phrase that. I'm I'm proud of I'm a I'm proud of how much better I've gotten. And it's such it's such an easy way to uh, quantify this sport and improvement, but 
Um, one of the things that I was really proud of was pretty recently, or I guess two years ago, it's not that recently, but um, in high school, I remember watching Footsome break 15 on the 5K. I think he did multiple times, but at Northview Cross Country Course, I think it went like 1430. And yeah, I remember I was, thinking- I was there. I actually started next to him during that race. That was like my, oh, yeah. my claim to fame. Yeah. Fisher's oh, yeah, next to North Central. You, I, I'm pretty sure you finished right next to him, too. <laughs> yeah. He tripped me, actually. Well, he knew. <laughs> well I, remember, I remember seeing that and being like, man, sub-15 and a 5K, that is insane. And for some reason, that was just always this mark of, like, elite running in my in my brain. This is before I even got into watching pros and collegiate running. So um, I never did it in college, actually. And, <laughs> and then after I graduated, I never really – cared to get back onto the track or anything like that. But then in 2021, um, coming out of like COVID and having events start to pop back onto the the calendar, um, I got this weird this drive to like, okay, I got to go break 15 in the 5k. Like I, I told myself in high school that like, that was the pinnacle of life itself. So it, it's not by the way, but um, <laughs> so I got to go do it. So I, I did that in 2021 after like you know, five years of never touching a track or never running anything like that fast. Um, which, which was good to get the, the old bones moving. Cause I've, I've been much more acclimated to the longer distance stuff since graduation, like, you know, half marathon and, you know, AK 10 K stuff like that. Yeah. Were you pretty confident you could hit it going into the race? Actually going into the race. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. um, going to the season no because i came off of a half marathon cycle mm -hmm. uh, actually i came off of an injury um now that i'm remembering correctly because it was 2020 um came off of fall 2020 pretty injured and stepped on a track a few times that spring and i was like man I, running sub five is hard <laughs> i used to be able to do this all the time in college but like you know I, it was it was kind of hard to like get my legs back to running a little bit faster stuff so um, but after a few a handful of workouts, I was like, okay, I just need to have the right day. And I did. So, yeah, cool. Um, well, I, I don't want to keep you guys too, too long, but to wrap up, I wanted to touch on working man's track club a little bit. Um, either of you can take it, uh, any direction you want, but I guess like, how did it come to be? What is the club now? I, Caleb, you touched on this a little bit and then like, where do you envision it going? Um, how's it been, I guess. Dave, do you want me to start this? Just kind of, I'll give the intro on like how it happened, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I mentioned, you know, Jordan, Tom, those guys that I ended up starting to train with, um, Jeremy. So, uh, after a couple of years of just informally meeting together, uh, you know, just text each other, I'm doing this workout tomorrow morning and brother, do you want to meet up? And um we had this, this random opportunity popped up from the rock and roll uh, marathon or half marathon people, the Ironman group. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, we're doing this team competition that uh, you score, you score four guys and, or three guys in a half marathon. And we're going to have like streaming and prize money and we want to fly you know people out from parts of the country to interview you and kind of build this up as a as a thing and we had um we had been sort of jokingly calling ourselves the working men's track club mm -hmm. 
for a little bit at this point. And we said, you know what, like, let's just make this a thing and go run together. <laughs> and so we won this half marathon together down, um, down in New Orleans. And it was a really good experience. We got the, you know, this picture of all of us on the podium with the giant check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we have like ragtag mismatch uniforms and, <laughs> um, uh, you know, the other groups that are there have all their, their, their kits. Um, and so, uh, from there, we've just post-collegiate athletes or people that we've met along the street. Dan Mahalski was here for, um, a summer, um, you know, fourth of the trials for steeplechase. Rob Mullet has moved back, who was a Butler guy and has gone, went to the Olympics in Rio. Um, a couple other, you know, all Americans from Purdue or, or Butler or, um, division three schools um across the state like guys that just moved to indiana and wanted to keep running and looked for training partners on strava and that was where we were Mm -hmm. and so we've grown a little bit since then um you know we've we've migrated part of our group up you know with david to michigan uh, and sort of had a a following since then but it's still sort of what it was when it when it started it's a it's a group of you know, non-pros, non-college athletes. We don't have any reason to get out here running except for we like doing it together. Um, we like competing still. So we're going to take it kind of serious, but it's, it's a community that you can be a part of and um, still get to experience that, that team environment that, that maybe you had when you were growing up. So it's been a lot of fun. Cool. David, anything that you, you'd add? Not really. Um, you know, like Caleb said, we, we kind of have a type too. Um, we, we really do attract people who take the sport seriously. So it's, it's not just that you enjoy running. It's that you enjoy running, uh, competitively and getting better at the sport. Um, you know, somebody who is, training at a high level, uh, despite their, their priorities, which are typically work, family, hobbies. Um, and we all kind of share that together. Yeah. What, uh, what do you guys envision the future of working man's track club? Um, I think just we're on the right path and I think we still have room to get bigger. Um, we're on the right path. And I think that the, the goal ultimately is to be an elite team. I I think that, you know, we train at a high level, not just for fun, but because we want to do well. Mm. In fact, we're, we're looking more actively for team scored events. Um, I know we got Shamrock shuffle on the calendar in, in March. Um, there's like a four miler in Ohio in July. Um, going to try to really encourage people to possibly do cross country, uh, club Nats in December. So I, I think that's probably where we're going next is really pushing for those team events to try to get more of a, a name for ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um, I, I think that we're on the right path and, and that um, the, the kind of people we're attracting is, are the right kind of people. Yeah. If someone is the kind of person that you're describing, like, can they just reach out and get contact with you or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's how you, yeah, that's how you got in contact with me. <laughs> I think you found our, like our website. I mean, we have a, 
a website. It's like WMTCUSA.com because WMTC.com is already taken. <laughs> uh, we have an Instagram. We don't have a Twitter. Uh, we have an Instagram that you can follow and DM us. Um, and That's Strava. That's Strava. Yeah. You can, you can always reach me at, uh, at Caleb Kerr, uh, with, <laughs> with any complaints, um, or obscene things you want to say about the Shroud Club. Right, right. I've had people DM me to come meet up with us for runs and saw it, saw us on Strava, so. Nice. Um, Do you guys meet regularly or is it kind of ad hoc or? Uh, we, we meet regularly on the weekends, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And then the workouts are more like, okay, what's your work schedule like? Yeah. And, and you, you, there's sort of some subdivisions of athletes within our group of these guys are training for track stuff. And these, these guys are training for a marathon. And, um, these, these guys want to get up and go and start their workout at 6am and other folks are like, I'd rather go in the evening. And, yeah. Um, but we usually get together on the weekends, um, for long runs and, and split off where we need to, but, um, we're over at Eagle Creek at the 56th street entrance eagle creek park almost every saturday nice that really is the best place to run in central indy yeah it's great it's a great uh you know you got trails you got closed roads or, or mostly closed roads mm-hmm. um it's paved and uh plowed in the winter so there we go well cool i'll uh i'll add a link to the website and then I even put like the Instagram or whatever else you guys want me to put on, on the show notes. Josh, I'll, Josh, I'll send you the email address too that we have. I yeah, I don't have it memorized, but it's like contact. Yeah, it's like a contact WMTC or something. I'll I'll send it to you. Okay, for sure. Uh, well, I appreciate your guys' time. This has been it's been a lot of fun. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Right, to any yeah. listeners still 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 not uh falling asleep thanks for <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us um, um both of us both of us can talk so yeah yeah uh nothing really to add other than thanks for having us josh and um thanks for you know utilizing the platform to continue to spread people's stories and um you know we really appreciate you reaching out yeah absolutely yeah it's cool like you you mentioned like running there's just something about runners that like you just click and mesh and i mean partly it's like you have this shared hobby but also you have like the stories to tell and then especially like coming through indiana so i don't know what it is about indiana i guess being in the midwest like there's just something about indiana running that you just like can't get away from um so yeah it's it's cool i never thought i'd be all the people that i've talked to so far but like even you guys i don't know wouldn't have guessed i'd be having this conversation um a couple years ago yeah so. i mean yeah it's indiana running is is pretty special they should make a digital platform or podcast about indiana runners there we go <laughs> um, cool well everybody until next time we'll see you later all right thanks